Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Well, this is this is an awesome episode of Sweat Equity. Today we got Jordan Rogers. Him and I were talking about it that we both grew up loving Nike, and mm. now our obsession and, and because we had an obsession with sports, now our obsession is marketing. To have both of those worlds collide into one human is that's is awesome. The best. It's awesome. Yeah. So sports yeah. and marketing. Yeah, it's like it, it doesn't it get better than that. It doesn't get so, better. I agree. I'm gonna give a little a, a little bit about your history and your come up because it is incredible. Mm. I mean, at 15, you were introduced to drugs, and then yeah. at 21, you're you're incarcerated, you get out of, of jail and your neighbor, Duncan, who is from South Africa and and he knows all about shoes. You go up to him and you're like, for some reason I like love Nikes, yep. right? And he's like, well, you should get a job. At, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like Enke? Eakin. Eakin. Well, right. I say, hey, Duncan, uh, I go, man, I bought another pair of shoes against my will today. Yeah. And I don't know what it is, yeah. but I have an inexplicable brand loyalty yeah. to Nike. And he said, well, you know, Nike people are cut from a different cloth and you might be cut from that cloth. You should go and look up this job. It's called the Eakin role, which is yeah. Nike spelled backwards. Yeah. So oh, it's Eakin's yeah. job to know Nike backwards and forwards. Yeah. The brand evangelist tech reps who travel around and teach people about the history and heritage yeah. of the brand and then the latest innovation. So I went inside, Google that job and the next five years of my life were spent chasing that job. That's, that's so you crazy. created a short film and you landed, you landed that job, right? I did eventually. Yes. A uh, whole lot of grunt work in between there. A whole lot yeah. of sweat equity. Yeah. Nice. Was put in, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> ding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. Worked at the F Nike factory store for two years. Um, volunteered for every event that I could and then went and became like a brand ambassador yeah. on some marketing tours. And then uh, continued to try to refine any skill that I could try to pick up, you know, photography, videography, uh, you know, picking up a camera on one of those tours changed the course of my life forever. Mm. I was a football marketing specialist in Texas, and then I was a brand manager for field sports in the Central Territory. Then I went to manage Nike football brand in North America up in Beaverton. Mm. That time I worked with a lot of our NFL players, uh, mainly Odell Beckham Jr. and then sort of bringing together Nike sportswear and like the cool factor when yeah. you started to see like cool cleats and yeah. how do we answer that? The issue was customization. Yeah. Um, how do we solve for that? And then I worked in Nike women's for a couple of years and then I finished in Nike basketball. Hmm. So there's the career snapshot. Now being that you've, you've spent 10 years at, or you spent 10 years at marketing and you look back at your 21 year old self that had this like allegiance to Nike Mm -hmm. And it was at the time unexplained. Yeah. Do you, can you explain it now? Because it's the same thing yeah. for me. I mean, we're probably skipping over a pretty significant part, which is I, you know, recovered from heroin addiction after a year of incarceration. I make it out about 22, 23. You got to fast forward several years. I go to community college, you know, I get into recovery, become a personal trainer. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, just, man, my whole goal, like y'all really was to not stick a needle in my arm. Yeah. yeah. Like that was, the, the, the floor was set very low. Right. Uh, it was like, if I can get out of here and just not kill myself, like life is going to be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, or I'm just going to accept that life will be cool. I just don't want to spend the rest of my life incarcerated. I don't want to spend the rest of my life with a needle in my arm. If I can just have like a boring dual life, like just settle down, everything's going to be fine. And so that was just a process of, 
trying to understand what I wanted to do. You know, I went to college and uh, couldn't get into the business school. I did have a, uh, inclinations to want to study something like marketing, but I ended up getting a degree in ancient history. And what I realized is that, you know, market, you hear people say that marketing is storytelling and it sounds very trite to start out, but when you really boil it down at its simplest level, it is about storytelling and connection. And so I studied ancient history, which is nothing more than the stories that last for thousands mm. of years. Right. And yeah. so I started to understand the ingredients of what are stories that will stick and connect with people. And then I think you pair that with, you know, coming out of addiction, being in recovery, it is a lot about human connection and trying to connect with other people. And so I got a real deep, you know, foundation in that. And you kind of marry all those things together uh, and it starts to make sense. So I was reflecting the other night about it. You know, man, Nike at its core is inspiring people to chase their dreams and to like do something a little bit irrational. And they, at their best, they have a rebellious kind of fu attitude to mm. it. Yeah. And so like I'm here looking at Jordan and I'm looking at Koei and Serena and and you know if Ali were around at the time he would have been a Nike. He's a Nike. Hundred you know, percent. But like yeah. There's this you know grit to it. Yeah. There's a grinding of your teeth. There's a an alpha to it. And so I think I always had that. That was like I have irrational dreams. Yeah. Um, I. A lot of people are probably telling me I have no chance, including voices in my own head. Yeah. But there's this like little spark that's also like, F you, I'm going to do it. And yeah. uh, so I think those were the things that were ingredients that were formulating to really drive me towards, you know, a company like Nike. And on the back end, if you're Nike, how do you create that, that narrative that then it resonates with somebody almost like subconsciously? Because like, how do you put that, what you just said, into a marketing plan? Yeah. Well... As a marketer, you're trying to just coordinate all the elements so that you can have that spark of magic. Yeah. I think what most people don't see is on the cutting room floor. So a lot of a lot of us joked at Nike that there is someday we should put together like a hall of fame of all the win spots that didn't go out. So like we refer mm -hmm. to ad, you know, win ads as spots, you know, so excuse the jargon. But you know, you create an advertisement for a win to celebrate when your athlete or team is yeah. it, when when they're about to play in a big game. So yeah. college football playoff is tomorrow night as we record this. Uh, Jordan Brand will probably have something drafted up for Michigan and yeah. Adidas will have something drafted up for University of Washington, most likely featuring um, Penix and Adunze because they're NIL athletes. But uh, one of those will not see the light of day. Yeah. They will go away and someone will be ready to like hit tweet or hit post and yeah. it will stay in the draft folder. Yeah. And they will be sweating bullets that they will accidentally hit post. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think to go all the way back to your question is like, uh, I was reflecting on Kobe the other day. One of the biggest mistakes that companies make is they sign an athlete because they're famous. Yeah. They don't sign an athlete because they align with who they are. Mm. Right. So like the best athletes at nike are ones who are like they're freaking psychos dog yeah y'all yeah. like, don't understand you know like michael jordan we all love jordan whatever but like jordan didn't have his family anymore right tiger woods doesn't have a family anymore tom brady unfortunately like i love tom brady he's not a nike athlete but he's got yeah, that like should have been yeah, yeah. should have been definitely should um 
So like Kobe em really embraced that mentality, that Mamba mentality that was mm -hmm. like, get better, do the thing. We're going to be first to gym, all that kind of stuff. And so you find athletes like that. You try to position, you try to align them with products that you think they're going to like. You want to listen to the voice of the athlete. When Nike's at their best, they do that. Uh, and that's why they have that line that says made to the exact specifications of, of yep, ex-athlete. Yeah, yeah, right. Absolutely. And One, so, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, that's such a good point. And, you know, we have a lot of younger brands that do not have Nike's resources yeah. or their level of scale. Yeah. And probably don't even have the same level of standing for something that Nike obviously does. But like, are there some of those key characteristics that a younger brand should look for when they're trying to partner with an athlete? Like, yes, maybe it's family values. Maybe it's, yeah. you know, their pursuit of excellence to like leave everything on the field, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what would Absolutely. be those characteristics? Well, that's what I think is most brands, especially in the social media era, they're just like chasing views or clout. And so they make the mistake of getting a famous athlete when like in the NIL era right now is, is, is prime example. Um, there are so many athletes out there that you could get on such a bargain. You don't know. You no longer have to yeah. try to sign an NBA or NFL athlete. You could sign the up and comer in your town. So let's say if you don't have the resources that Nike does, cool. You don't need to. Nike, by the way, also didn't start with those resources. You know, exactly. reach shoe dog. It's amazing. Amazing. And you find. And so okay, let's use that. We're we're connecting those two. Phil Knight used the University of Oregon Ducks. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like that's <laughs> not a sexy program. Like you know, that's not the. Michigan's and Ohio States and the Texas of the yeah. world. It's the ducks. Like it's a joke almost, <laughs> yeah. you know, like they're in yeah. this rainy, sleepy town in Eugene, Oregon. Right. And the dude built an empire. And so, but he started with what he knew running Rock. and yeah. the ducks mm -hmm. yeah. and that's his DNA. So who's his first athlete? Prefontaine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because Prefontaine is a track runner at Oregon, at Oregon, you know? So like you start or Dan Fouts, you know, it, it's like, there's all these buildings at Nike, this pantheon of like what you have here. There's Michael Jordan building, the Serena Williams building, the Tiger Woods building, and there's a Dan Fouts building. Yeah. And you're like, what? Dan Fouts, which of these does not he's belong? He's the OG Michael Jordan for Phil Knight, basically. Uh, yeah, it is. He's like, he's the original athlete. And so I think brands, to answer your question directly, find someone who aligns with what it is that you are trying to communicate. You know, if it's, okay, all of them are competitors. Mm -hmm. Cool. But like, what are the other things below that? Like they're all really good at their sport. They maybe have a following, but like if you're a brand who values cooking or innovation or whatever, like who's the techie kid or who's the one who's cooking on the sideline, you know, on the, on their side off days, you know, like there's so much more there that, yeah, that you can figure out. For sure. There, there's a, a company in the sports tech world that I've worked with in the past and they, they track like performance metrics. So like mm -hmm. distance covered, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you know, like average sprint speed, like number of sprints, stuff like that. And one of the things that I keep telling them, I'm like, you guys need to, you know, institute almost like a Forrest Gump award, right? Like who is that player <laughs> in your network that just never stops running, right? Yeah. And, you know, who's like that, that ultimate hustler and stuff like that. And it's the type of brand marketing play that a lot of younger companies are almost scared to make, yeah. right? Because they're like, every dollar has to be ROI generating. Yeah. Every dollar has to come back to $2 to me. Yes. And when you kind of release from that, yes. you enter this new world where the dollar might just go away. Totally. But at the same time, it could turn into like $50, right? 
Dude, yes. And that's where, so you're speaking to someone who's in brand marketing. Yeah. Okay. I'm a brand guy. So it's going to be, I, I value and I need to partner with people who are like ROI, get the return on the investment and all that, because I'm just going to do stuff because it's cool. <laughs> you yeah, know, like, yeah. But like, I, okay, I started my own business 18 months ago, you know, and one of the first things I did was built out a brand identity, you know, wrote a brief, worked with a designer uh, buddy I trust who's here in Austin, Josie L. Shout out Josie L. But, um, and, you know, spent, I don't know, a few thousand dollars on stuff, which is probably not money that, I, you know, I really, I mean, I had it, but, you know, in early stages of entrepreneurship that pro a lot of people will probably look at that as like, wait, you just spent that on. Font. Usually you build that later. You yeah. You do that shit after you have customers. Yeah, totally. Like you just spent that on fonts and colors yeah. and a yeah. logo, you know, and I'm like, yeah, because I don't want to have to think about it again. Like I want my identity to be clear, sharp, uh, the brand, you know, it, it communicates something. It says yeah. I have my stuff together. It says I'm well thought out. It says I have a, something to stand for. Yeah. And so I do think there's art and science, but I'm heavy on the art side. I, I just want to go a little deeper there, actually, because I think, you know, with your experience at Nike, mm. you clearly know some of the key components of a strong brand. Yeah. What were those things that when you were launching your own brand, you were like, okay, this is a non-negotiable. I have to have this coming out of the gate. Yeah. I knew it's funny because I have this asset in Instagram. I built an Instagram following probably 12 years ago in the early days of Instagram when you just had to take square pictures. Anyway, I built that a long time ago. And then I didn't really, I nurtured it while I was at Nike, but Nike didn't want me to have, I mean, yeah, no corporation wants yeah. any of their people to have a, to be creators, to actually be a, to yeah, build a personal brand, to work, to work be, on yourself. No, yeah. it's ridiculous. Come on. Uh, just so, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just don't do it. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty much the social media policy there, but, um, I'm starting to finally see that some of the fruits of that, like it, it was a source of a lot of angst for me to start because I, um, jumped into kind of the NIL space. I say NIL, but it's really about player development. So yeah. I, it's a keynote speaking business where I travel around to college mm. teams and I teach them about personal branding, how to work with companies and how to use your platform for good, how to right. serve others through right. your story. So I, I saw this asset. I was like, okay, I'm gonna be making content. I'm gonna be trying short form video, like all this stuff. And I would try to do stuff and like, and I, and I was very pretty niche, you know, like it wasn't athletic directors or coaches who were on Instagram or TikTok looking for content to try to bring in a speaker, you know, cause like the yeah. standard playbook is like right. make the short form content, get a wide funnel and then you bring them down into the funnel and then you sell them stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I was selling keynote speaking. They weren't exactly, you know, coaches and athletic directors aren't scouring TikTok for, yeah. And so I finally released that and just started making stuff and being talking about the things that I just like to talk about. And yeah. just over the last, like, I'd call it six months or so, like I'm starting to see the fruits of that, yeah. like where the content is now building a funnel for where I was wanting to go. I wanted to start in colleges with the speaking and then develop it into corporations. The content is really hitting the corporations a lot. Interesting. So that's like a whole new layer of business that I would love to tell you I planned that out, but it's just started to happen organically. So content was one, brand was one. I also know like who you align with is important. So I started with heavy hitters because I knew if I could come out the gate and say, you know, Texas football is my first client. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all the others, would be, well, if you can do Texas football, you can pretty much do, it, do anybody else. Yeah. If I can do the Oregon Ducks, yeah. I can do 
pretty much anybody else. And yeah. so while maybe I could have started with some smaller programs and been hustling and, and I certainly did, I'm, I'm not tearing down anyone in that first year. And, and even probably this year, I, I wouldn't turn anyone down and try to work with any program to try to help serve athletes, but it's brand, you know, people look at that as aspirational and go, Oh, this yeah. guy's knows what he's doing for you sure know, so yeah. alignment alignment is definitely like a huge thing for an early brand you know absolutely you're associated with stuff like yeah. that so on the on the nike set something that we were talking about earlier where we're talking about using ads essentially to build a brand nike has done a great job uh advertising as like this the train to build a brand whereas a DTC brand, a startup, like we see advertising, we only think of ROI. It needs to, we're putting in a dollar, we need $2. How would you convince a startup or somebody in our position to be like, no, you should be putting money into branded campaigns. You should be putting money into putting ads out there that people actually want to consume because it's it's very easy for us as marketers to, we're given advice. We're like, oh, people love ads that don't feel like ads, but then we put out ads. Yeah, totally. But Nike puts out you know, something that evokes emotion and it gets people to buy in. And then like, there isn't the the direct ROI of one to two, but over time there's the the ROI of one to 50. Yeah, it's like yeah. a long-term investment. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I saw, um, you know, Colin Landforce, uh, yeah. I saw him the other day talking about like, hey, don't, if you're a freaking startup, don't pay attention to Nike, shut up. You know, they're a multi-billion dollar company. And he's right on a very tactical level. On On a macro level, I think, you know, what you're getting at is like, we have to take all the signals, you know, like, do you have a, do you have a personality who can be in front of a camera? Yeah. Do you have good storytelling? Do you have access to great video videographers? Like, are you creative? You know, if you don't have those things, then it's going to be hard to, yeah, do aspirational or content that people want to consume. And so you're going to need to find it. And, um, you know, I think everybody, there's all kinds of different ways to make money or to get customers and all that i prefer you know creative kind of aspirational feely things but i also know the amount of cold emails i get every day tells me that people respond to cold emails i guess <laughs> i freaking don't on principle even if it's the most if you cold emailed me and it was the most valuable thing ever I would just delete it just on principle and then have to go find it somewhere else. Like I'm a bizarre, I also won't click on sponsored Google. If I see the sponsored one and then the one below it, that's organic. I just go to the, (laughs) this is the ultimate brand marketing guy thing. Yeah. Stupid, but um, get to Facebook as Google's the product. instead. I don't see it organically. I don't fuck with it at all. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Anyway. I think I think going a layer deeper, like what are what would be some actionable things that maybe smaller brands could learn from Mikey? Like obviously Colin has a point or Landforce has a point. Most brands, if they try and do an ambitious, heavily produced, expensive marketing campaign, they might screw up and that investment could be catastrophic for them. And a lot of these brands don't lean into storytelling and they don't lean well, into brand. They don't have brand. the chops to be able to storytell yeah. either, yeah. right? Like it's not like everyone can just roll out of bed and tell but a great it, story. In the, but the crazy thing is it is the same people that that would be like, you need to lean in a story. The best marketing is storytelling. And right. then they don't do those things. And then you do look at a brand of Nike that's mastered storytelling and has been able to connect with these people. It's like, well, what are the like the small tactical layers of a company like us, Marketing Examine, we want to build something incredible, but you got to get people to buy in. It's not going to happen on accident. It's not going to happen on the back end of performance marketing if we're really trying to build something 
incredible. If we're trying to build something traditional, we could build it on the back end of performance. Yeah. But incredible, you got to layer in storytelling. So like, what are just like those yeah. kind of like smaller tactical things that you can apply to a startup or, you know, yeah. somebody in the B2B space, et cetera? This is kind of one of my very fundamentals that I think a lot of people miss. And I think we can connect social media and we can connect whatever this business might be. But community is one yeah. that is mm. huge. So let's stay on the Nike theme. Phil Knight was a runner. He's obsessed with running. He loves running. And he wasn't a great runner. Yeah, He was a middle to lower end of the pack. He was the uh, crash test dummy for Bill Bowerman. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. and so, but he loved it. And he loved runners. And so he was trying to solve problems for runners when they first started. He would have, you know, probably before a run club was a, a name, it was like a group of people who went out jogging to, you know, the jogging movement. <laughs> we don't have time to go down that rabbit hole. But oh like, God, uh, do not get us started on run clubs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, that was just people getting together to do something they really enjoyed. And so yeah. that's community. And then a consumer insights group was just originally sitting around with a bunch of runners yeah. going, Hey, what do you like about the shoe? What do you not like about the shoe? Yeah. What's rub it? What, what problems are you trying to solve? And so, you know, community and listening to an audience is like, what do you want more of? Hmm. So connecting that to social, I think the thing that people miss so often is it's while we're moving away from social media, it's still social. Yeah. People are trying to connect with them. The amount of DMs that I have right now are just people who are like either pouring their heart out or, you know, telling because of my background with addiction and whatnot, people are telling me, you know, very, you know, things that I resonate with. You know, they've lost their brother, they've lost their friend, they, you know, all kinds of things. Or, hey, I've been hustling at this Nike thing for five years. I have four degrees. I've been volunteering for all that. What's, what gives? Yeah. Why can't I? And so, I think like just listening and then trying to create a community. So if that's like inviting Tim, I, I saw you guys with Oren, you know, you did like a community meetup, you know, yeah. bring people in. I think people like that stuff, you yeah. know, how yeah. else are they going to get access to their favorite creator that they see on the internet all day? Or, um, you know, just getting to see what a actually well-produced podcast looks like. Yeah. It's a lot, you know, so bringing people in, listening to them and then trying to solve problems for them. I think it's like starting on a really small micro level yeah to your point of the question which is how do they start really small because so often we immediately go to like how do i get a million views yeah. well you got to get, get 10, 10, first, get 10 you know yeah. you yeah. gotta get 100 people yeah um so yeah that's that's what i would focus on community and solving those problems yeah there's a perfect segue here of, in a podcast you said that nike was built on and is still built on 60 second television ads and billboards <laughs> they're not built on social yes so I, I want to bring you into here, like if you're Nike and they're making a huge push, uh, push towards social tomorrow, like they want to be social leading company. What's your strategy? How are you? What are you coming in and changing there? It doesn't work. I can't. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I was thinking about this, you know, right? I have a, a following, you know, people do all their predictions posts for 2024. Yeah. yeah. I really struggle with prediction. You know, everybody's like, okay, so the popular one I see right now is like, oh, brands are going to bring in in-house creators to yeah. whatever. Yes. <laughs> Okay, I mean, I I love that for I, so there's a difference between what brands should do and what brands actually will do, yeah. and if they have the stomach for it. So like, I don't think many brands will bring in in-house creators. It fundamentally doesn't work. Like, yeah. I don't speak in absolutes, but yeah. like, as someone who is a creator, 
maybe there's an amount of money that you could pay me to give up my autonomy. And like, what do I love about being a creator? I get to talk about whatever I want. Yeah, I get to just pontificate about marketing on the internet all day. The moment you come in and accept a paycheck from someone, yeah. you now have certain parameters that are around you that right. are not okay. So like a company that big, they try it, watch them every three to six months. You'll see some new TikTok strategy. You'll see some, every whatever your account you follow, yeah. Nike basketball, Nike football, Nike whatever, tennis. Yeah. It'll, there'll be this push. A new agency's brought in. They've got it. We're going to solve. We're social first. We're Gen Z. We care. So <laughs> we Gen- love Gen Z. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they, you just can't do it. It's not... Uh, <laughs> this, is a very, this is a painful topic because it's, it was just hard. We had starts and stops constantly. Was it and, something that you dealt with as a challenge when you were there? My whole career. Yeah. And at every level, yes, it was an issue. And I think one of the things that I constantly saw, I built a following and I was in these platforms day by day. And so I knew the stuff that would work or not work or that was authentic or not authentic. And so many people that are sitting around a conference table in any corporation anywhere, they don't understand social. Yeah, They know like what they're reading about it or they their kids tell them about it, but like they're not in it. So it's just, it's so hard for me to answer because I think it's so fun. They're so fundamentally opposed uh what would i do today you know right now most people would tell you you know oh get a tiktoker and let them be the face of your brand but tiktokers are not the face of nike's brand that's that's what's really hard about it right now is nike is rooted in athletes they're not rooted in tiktokers yeah Mm. and every brand tries to go and the real struggle that nike has is you know you have virgil here and it's not coincidental that virgil is next to michael jordan yeah and like, there's this big push, like Nike has always, but they use culture to amplify sport. You don't have Air Jordans without Mars Blackman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like Jordan by himself, you can win titles and it's very cool. But Jordan one plus one, Spike Lee equals 3000, yeah. you know, and that's what takes it into mm. the, I, I was actually, you, you mentioned John Morant. I happen to be a Moneybag Yo song came. I'm, I'm old now. So like all those Texas Tech kids that I was with, they had a money bag yo on. And um, anyway, we did a John Morant spot, says who, and money bag yo was our like cameo during that spot. Yeah. And, you know, so it's that same playbook. You, have, you get John Morant, but then you need like a money bag to like take it over mm, right. for that cultural reference. But the, but the problem is when money bag becomes the bigger story and jaw starts being the smaller story, that's when you get out of alignment at Nike. And that's what they're facing is... Oh. Sneakers drive so much. Retros drive so much. But their brand about innovation, what's next, Mm. who's the athlete who's dominating on field. And so you're trying to find these unicorns who are athletes who are good creators. Right, which is impossible. It's so very, 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 very hard. Like Juju. Yeah. Tyree Kills is one of them. Well, but Tyree Kills got so many red flags. You can't bring Tyree. And a lot of these guys, I mean, Ja even kind of has gone through his own personal stuff. Absolutely. You you talk about this in one of your uh, reels, actually. You talk about the death of the signature athlete. And I, it's something that when I'm, you know, I was chatting with Alex about this episode, it really stood out to me because the pattern that I've noticed over the last few years of the decrease in relevance of these Nike signature shoes. Yep. You know, a guy like Devin Booker just released his signature shoe this year. Yep. And I don't know how you feel about it. I think it's a, not a good looking shoe. Mm. And I don't think it's 
been super successful from a sales perspective. Hmm. Meanwhile, Devin Booker, is that not one of the top five brightest young stars in the NBA? Yeah. Like, should have been a smash hit. He's really popular, dated to Jenner, like all this stuff. Totally. And I would say that like Paul George probably had a way more successful debut, even though back in the day he was way less relevant. Yeah. What stands out to me is it feels as though that's more a time period situation yes. than it is anything that Nike has done. Exactly. Yeah. You mentioned Mars Blackman and, and Michael Jordan. Yeah. And honestly, dude, if, if Moneybag Yo and John Morant collabed, that would be sick. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would actually work pretty well. <laughs> totally. But I think Moneybag would be too expensive for Nike to make it work because he thinks he's got his own stuff and his own brand and he's been an, enabled as an independent artist and creator yeah. now. And it's harder to make those synergistic partnerships at this level. And you bring up a great point. No, like PG, the, the, the death of the signature shoe. Do I actually think it's going to happen? No. Uh, I think it should. But less effective. It's less, they're yeah. less effective. Right. And I think at some point, the problem is right now you have this trifecta of the three big brands and you're even getting a lot of these challenger brands who are coming into the, to the space now. So, um, you know, I don't know, whoever the next one and done star is, is going to come out. And Adidas, Nike, and Under Armour will all line up for him. Like and Co now Cooper Flag, like that Cooper kid, Flag, yeah, the white kid out of Maine. Yeah, like he's kind of. It seems like he's one of the big dudes. There's also this kid, Ace Bailey. But sure. Yeah. Whoever your next big star is, right? Cooper may not be edgy enough for some of these brands, but anyway, I'm going to take Caleb Williams. He's coming out of the draft. Yeah. Every brand's drooling over him, right? Yeah. He's light-skinned, black dude, super swaggy, paints his fingernails, plays on the West Coast, like stylish, <laughs> been in LA, like he's just whatever. He's yeah. smart, articulate, you know, he's everything. He's we'll handsome. Just, we'll forget he was at Oklahoma before. Totally. <laughs> you know? But all these brands care about is Los Angeles and New York. Yeah. That's all they care about. Really? So like, yes, they're... Is that a flaw? Yes. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. Um I think so. But. It seems like a flaw in the social media era, right? Because totally. there's so much more uh, conversation from non, you know, top markets like that, sure. driving a lot of sales and culture. And yet it does seem like, you know, the Knicks are relevant for what, right? Like the Le LeBron's Lakers get all this coverage for what? And I think people are kind of tired of that. Yeah. I sat on a global call right before I left. You know, we were doing the recap of John Morant says who spot and it crushed. It did amazing. Everybody yeah, loved it. Sick. It went all over, traveled. Mm -hmm. Memphis loved it. And I tried to make the point, you know, before I left in front of all of them, like, hey, I know we have these big strategies to, you know, LA and New York are very important to us. They're key cities as they should be to any big global brand. But like you can, what was the, I was, I made a meme <laughs> and showed it, but it was like, <laughs> hey, you could take a big fish and a small pond and still get a huge splash was i mm. think the analogy i used nice because we take a big fish and we put them in a big pond let's call it lebron in la you do a big fish big pond or kevin durant in new york or brooklyn you have big fish big pond and you make a splash yeah. but it's a very big pond and so it's like okay what's next yeah. you take a big to medium-sized fish and john morant in a small pond and you crush with a nike global spot they love it, right? Yeah. Like the whole South is yeah. going crazy. Yeah. And so it's, should, it's something that I was like reminding, we shouldn't sleep on this type of, yeah. you know, engagement. And so uh, that's, that's an opportunity. Um, I started to say this though. 
okay, so all the brands will participate and will offer. And so it's it's a dollars and cents conversation always, but these got every single basketball player growing up, they want a signature shoe. There's not a single one of them who comes and gets signed who doesn't want a signature shoe. And so, you know, a company like Nike, who has an embarrassment of riches, is like, okay, well, get in line. Signature shoes are hard to make. They're time intensive. They're like, dude, work on that stuff for so long. People have no idea. <laughs> when, when you see an athlete like a jaw, right? He comes in, plays his first game. You're like, this guy, guy has a lot of potential. We mm -hmm. need to amplify him. Mm -hmm. What is the strategy? What, how are you thinking about taking this player and amplifying them to be possibly like the face of the NBA, but could be the face of Nike basketball now? Yeah. Well, uh, it's a lot of, you're, you're factoring a lot of things, you know, okay, they ball, they're balling out in the NBA. Um, where are they playing? Uh, you know, so the thing with Jaw was like, Jaw came out, it's this great story, you know, Murray State, not highly recruited. Yeah. Smaller size. But then he just comes on, he's so electric, he's yeah. dunking left and right. And that stuff is in this social media era. <laughs> just a, that's what's it's going perfect. viral yeah. constantly, right? So, Marketing is so much about distinction. And mm. we have, I always use this um, image of like a bunch of sheep and there's all these white sheep and there's a black sheep in the middle. Mm. And I use that intentionally too, because a lot of, t a lot of times, it, whether it's personal branding or whether your company, you know, black sheep has a bad connotation to it. But like, if you can find what your element is that makes you distinct or the thing that stands out from the rest, it can be your superpower. Uh -huh. And so I've experienced that in my own life you know, heroin addiction, incarceration, that's a very bad thing. Yeah. People do not, that's not a strength in any way on the surface, but it is one of the things now that gives me crazy distinction. And yeah. 20 years in, I mean, we haven't even, you guys, you don't even ask about that, right? You want to talk about Nike or you want to talk about marketing. Um, but when I go and tell my story somewhere, you know, the marketing, I can talk about this stuff all day. I love it. And I'm so glad that that stuff doesn't define me anymore. But it is a thing that's like, oh, you did that. And also you have that thing. And so that's yeah. where we start to get narrowing. So when you ask about, you know, John ja Morant, is it he's good on the court? He's also going viral. He's got this cool swagger to him. Yeah. Um, you know, what's his trajectory? Where is he in his career? So there's just all these like moving factors all over. Is his contract about to be up? Who else do we have on the bench? Who's coming out of college? Like, there's a, it is a lot of moving pieces and a lot of factors that people are using to determine who gets a signature shoe. I love, I love this idea that you said it because I always think of differentiation and I think distinction is more, so much more powerful, especially in uh, this idea of marketing. And you also got to work with somebody that I think did that in the NFL, which is OBJ. Yeah. Right. Like he, he is very distinctive in, in relation to other. NFL yep. players from his giant personality that extends past the helmet. Like there's yep. so many players, big name players that you wouldn't know what they look like if they took off. Like you, totally. yeah. Like if you saw him out in the street, but OBJ was one of those people where you knew, you know what he looks like, you know, his big personality. But then what you said on a podcast, you said Odell has the potential to be a Deion Sanders. Yeah. How would you make that happen? I tried, <laughs> tried my best <laughs> for two years. Um, so the mandate with Odell was we wanted to make him a global Nike athlete. So American mm -hmm. football athletes, you know, a lot of people in America, it's really hard to understand this, but because we just see football is a 
everything in this yeah. country, especially down here in Texas. But American football doesn't resonate anywhere outside yeah. of the U.S. Maybe they're making some strides in London and all that. And I got to work on a lot of those things. Those were fun. But global football soccer is what yeah. drives the world. And uh, other sports like basketball are global. Um, and so American football is very centralized to America. So, you know, what we wanted to do is try to run that playbook of taking him to Europe. So like the, the penultimate project that I work on, probably the most pinch me moment was we took him to, so we alignment, we've talked about alignment. Yeah. He on his own was naturally and authentically connected with like Neymar and Cristiano was like his idol. And then Virgil was somebody he respected a lot and like everybody did. And so this like dream week, we were launching the Vapor Cleat. Uh, the Mercurial had just launched. It was Paris Fashion Week and PSG was playing Real Madrid. <laughs> wow. And so I worked for like months on this project to try to align this. Like, can we get him over the, and of course he's like, heck yeah, let's, let's go like, you know, even with his schedule. So myself and his rep, we took him and his mom to Paris, uh, to connect with Virgil and like private connection during Paris fashion week and our like Nike football customization studio where they were doing like jerseys and stuff for global football. And, um, and then, you know, got him in the suite to see PSG versus Real Madrid with Matthew Williams and, you know, all your Nike, you know, collaborators and people. And then after the game flew to Madrid to connect him with Cristiano. And so we had this moment where we align, get basically a, I don't know, half hour conversation with Odell and his idol Cristiano and Real Madrid's wow. practice facility. And then the shot that we needed, you know, before we left was basically like both of them holding up their cleats and they both were orange in this key colorway. And so it was just this really cool moment of like, and I think a lot of people forget that sometimes is we were trying to serve my, my job was to know everything about Odell and everything that made him tick. And so a lot of companies are trying to extract value from the athlete, but like, how do we add value to the athlete as well? So I wanted to know what does he want and how do I help? make that because then he's he is going to appreciate us and want to celebrate us even more yeah. and represent us as a brand and while that didn't lurk, work out long term um during that time that's what we were really trying to do so we position him with big global collaborators like virgil and then we position him with a big global personality like cristiano and then that makes its way not only is the nfl really interested in promoting that but like La Liga and FIFA and all these yeah. global soccer accounts are tweeting about this mm -hmm. and Cristiano shares it to his God knows how many 200 million yeah. followers yeah. and and you look at Odell like he was one of the he was one of the most influential American football athletes that I'm just making it up you know 20 million followers yeah, uh, yeah. no that's like LeBron numbers so I, Odell maybe was like I think four, it's actually four. up there yeah yeah he, he has a ton he, yeah. yeah he is now this is six years ago. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you yeah. know, um, Cristiano was like 200. Yeah. Right. You know, so like... The order of magnitude different. Yes, an order of magnitude different. The most influential American football athlete is a fraction of influence yeah. to the biggest right. global yeah. soccer athlete. Mm -hmm. So um, that's that alignment and then trying to help 
you know, do that. And then of course, then the last thing I would just say is every kid in America had the Odell haircut for yeah. a certain number of it years. It was crazy. It was crazy. So, crazy. so like my favorite moments, and a lot of people don't see this because he's, he gets a lot of, you know, focus for his style and everything, man. That dude loves kids and he loves connecting with kids and yeah. he would make kids dead. I get chills thinking about one of my favorite moments is like we had him in New York. We brought this, I don't know, you know, young football club and there's this little kid. I have this photo and he's looking up at him and he's got the Odell haircut and Odell does too. And he's like shaking his head, you know, puts <laughs> oh, his hand in his yeah. hair and like shakes it. And this kid is like, you know, yeah. just the greatest moment. Um, it's just so cool, man. So those those moments are really fun and make it make it all worth it. The thing about Odell is he he is such an example of for these athletes. A lot of it has to do with their luck on the field too. Sure. You know, I think if he was on a different team and maybe won a Super Bowl, besides obviously the Rams one where he got injured, but if he won a Super Bowl where he was in a prominent moment. And maybe he had an extended prime that, you know, wasn't hampered by injuries, then we could be having a completely different conversation about where he is in the narrative. Um, and instead, he gets injured, he gets labeled prima donna, like all this stuff, and kind of gets, you know, dragged through the mud by the media in a really, I would say, unfair way. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand the, the really frail nature, especially of American football. And that's what it drives a lot of what I do. Yeah. And so that's why I'm so passionate about NIL. In American football, you're required to play in college for three years. You know, yeah. Maurice Claret. So yeah. my oh content, my gosh, Maurice, Claret. Maurice Claret jumped in my- I heard that name in so long. Dude, I did a video on how bowl games are meaningless and how I was defending the players who sat out. And it's obviously a very charged topic, but it got, it got a ton of traction. Um, and Maurice Claret hops in my comments and it was like 50 fire emojis. Uh, and, and his story, there's so many stories, Johnny Manziel, him, the Fab Five, uh, all kinds of stories that I have from my own experience and, and then others that I've seen. It's just such an injustice to me. And so, you know, Maurice Claret was the best running back in the country, played one year, went undefeated with Ohio State, won a national championship. He got into a, a lot of trouble too. But like, um, he wanted to go play in the NFL and he sued the NFL to let him and they, they wouldn't. And then he basically got blackballed. And so yeah. we're asking these players who get in car wrecks every Saturday to yeah. sacrifice their bodies, to sacrifice their brain, their future health, like all kinds of stuff. And we're taking their prime earning years from 18 to 21 to 22 and saying, you cannot earn any money. And then you're going to go to the league yeah. where it's the most restrictive contracts in the league. You have to make it, the average career is 2.8 years. You don't get paid till your fifth year, really. The team has that fifth year option. Um, Long-term benefits don't kick in until after four years. Right. Like they're, they just go through this gauntlet to be yeah. able to make it sustainably for any long period of time in football is near impossible. And so I'm an advocate for if anyone can, I'm, an American and free market capitalist. <laughs> if anybody, it's so un-American, or if you want to be really cynical, you could say really American with our, with our history, but I like to believe in the best of us, which is it's so un-American to restrict someone's wages for a talent and a yeah. gift that they have. We don't restrict Justin Bieber's wages. We don't just restrict Billie Eilish if she is great. We don't restrict artists or anyone. And so mm. why would we restrict athletes as well? It's ridiculous. Yeah. 
And that, I mean, something cool about um, just to pull from more of your content, uh, you, you shine light on a topic called NIL collectives. Mm. And I found that really interesting because I think a lot of people think of NIL in the context that you mentioned, which is, okay, local running back, like B. John Robinson, yes. for example. He's got Dijon Mustard. Yes, so <laughs> right? good. That, was, that one. one was great. Yeah. That's a that great one. one. Was yeah. great. That's he's, a good one. He's yeah. got like Dijon Mustard and you're kind of like, okay, this makes sense. Like wholesome college athlete partners with local brand to like yeah. have a collaborative product. And that's actually not how most of these guys are getting paid. No. They're getting paid through, I don't want to call it a slush fund, but like, you know, basically boosters are pooling money together. Yes. And then paying them almost a salary to play yes. at the university. Yep. Um, you know, I think that is is just such a dynamic that people don't understand no. at all. They think it's these brand deals. They think it's sponsored posts and stuff. Yeah. And yet they're actually kind of getting a living salary now. Yeah, they can. In men's football and men's basketball at the highest levels. Yeah. So what a lot of people also don't understand is a mustard brand can't pay Bijan what he's worth. Right. So like, even if Bijan partners with the biggest local brands, I mean, so he got a Lamborghini dealership deal. That one went traveled around the world. Lamborghini didn't sponsor Bijan. It was yeah. a local, we had to shoot content for that. Yeah. yeah and it yeah, was, yeah. yeah. Everyone local was talking about that. Oh, totally. It was like, oh, Bijan gets sponsored by Lamborghini. Okay. I mean, I don't want to nitpick here, but like yeah. it's the dealership, the yeah. local dealership. Um, and that's not, sorry to cut you off. That's yeah. not even a, a partnership that aligns. Like if you know Bijan, we got to see him for, yeah. uh, it was like 12 weeks in his training. He never drove the Lambo. No. He was forced to drive it to game days. But yeah. he would drive like, I think he, would, he had a truck or something. Yeah. But it, like, that, if you that actually was also know the Bichon, first year just, of NIL too, where I'm sure a lot of these guys didn't even have a Jordan to talk about alignment, right? Yeah. And they, they just took every single deal in front of them. I mean, dude, he's 21 well, years old. He's going to take the Lambo. I mean, dude, yeah. Who wouldn't take the <laughs> Lambo? But like, <laughs> you know, it's, they're very short-sighted. And so um, that's the thing that bums me out. I, you know, I do want to go back to the collective because we didn't, we didn't yeah, put a bow sorry. on that, but like a lot of people think, so Bose, for example, I don't know, I don't know what Bose is paying JJ McCarthy for that one ad. Let's say it's $5,000, $10,000, maybe, yeah. maybe 20. He's a quarterback, starting quarterback. So, you know, let's say it's a hundred thousand. I don't know. But like, it's not, it's not life-changing money that I think a lot of people think that just because you do a social media post for some brand that you're, you know, their signature athlete. It's not like a, you know, brand show up, you know, these are a few thousand dollars for something. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what a lot of people, one, they don't understand it, about NIL is they think that they're making more. They're not. Like the local chicken wings place can pay you 500 bucks for yeah. a post, $1,000. Or maybe free food five. for your entire... Yeah, free food yeah, for, for you and entire, the crew. Yeah. Like there's all that kind of bartering, which yeah. the the workshop that I give is called Branding and Blessings. Um. And you can also get that workbook at my site, jordanrogers.xyz. Um, but linked in the description, link in bio. Um, I, uh, I originally titled it Branding, Bartering, and Blessings mm. because I wanted to teach them about like, okay, personal branding. And then for most of your athletes, my audience, you know, the Bijans of the world are the top yeah. 1%. You know, the other 98% of athletes are going to have to get more creative and scrappy and barter. And I love that because that's my background in social. Like I, in the very early days, I was going to companies and going, hey, let me take some cool pictures for you. Let me align like local influencers for you in exchange for getting access to your product. So yeah. I did like a 
coffee company. I did a bike company. I did a helicopter company and would like get flown around the city of Dallas to get skyline views because that's what was driving a lot of views like back in the day, like really cool cityscape photography. I did the same. That's how I got into marketing. Was like doing, doing bartering. Yeah, like a bunch trading. of bartering and like picking up a camera and being like, I'll, I'll create all your content for social, yes. et cetera. And I did, I got to do one helicopter driven coffee shop. I didn't do a bike. I tried doing a bike spot, but it was my same way into like content creation and social. Totally. Yeah. So many people and young creators out there like deliver value for yeah. someone. Show up with a camera and be like, how can I help? Yeah. Every single company that you can go down any street in your local town, they all want to do social media better. Yeah. And most of them suck at it. Yeah. Show up with a camera, help them get some pictures, video, whatever, and show them that you are a you know subject matter expert. And you don't need a college degree for that. Yeah. You don't need anything other than to learn how to... You can do it with the iPhone now. Like yeah. there's kids, you can do so much. And so that bartering piece was really key for me. And that's what I think a lot of athletes may be missing out on. I was like, hey, you could, you're a star athlete. We're here in Austin. Any Longhorn is like, you could go into any local business and they're going to love doing something with you as long as you can position it that way. And so I love the entrepreneurial training that they can get. It's like, go in and they may not say yes at, to start. And you have to figure out what it is that they want, how you can serve value to them, um, how you can deliver a return on their potential investment. And so, uh, yeah, I started down the bartering piece uh, and then, you know, the blessing is just how do you use your story to connect with others and like serve people with the platform that you've been given. But, oh, we were talking about, you know, brand deals. So like the brand deals may pay you a little bit, but the collectives are what are paying you a lot. So yeah. the big bad secret that most people don't understand is that um, college athletics in big time football and big time basketball in a couple of places are pro sports masquerading right. under the uh, lie that it's amateur sports and they're not. I was at Texas stadium last night, the arena, yeah. I mean, freaking sponsors are all over that place. Insane. There's only jerseys in the license plate. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's a, that's like the Mavericks arena. Yeah. Uh, so the difference is on Saturday, we call it amateurism and on Sundays we call it pro they're in the same stadiums. It's ridiculous. And so, um, we're in this kind of broken place right now. And to use a church term like this already, but not yet, mm. we've already seen that the college model is broken and it's clear for everyone to see now, but we're in the not yet phase where mm. we haven't rectified and figured out the right solution to marry the things that we love about college athletics with pro sports. And so, uh, we're in a broken system. So NIL collectives are filling this gap right now where boosters have come together and they can find, they've been doing this for years. Yeah. Uh, they've been paying athletes. Exactly. Uh, but they have to do it under the table. They have to do it in casino chips. They have to do it in brown bags. They have to do it in duffel bags. Like this stuff has been happening forever, y'all. I don't know if y'all know, but like <laughs> running backs, quarterback, they've been getting paid forever. Reggie Bush. And, yeah. <laughs> Reggie Bush. Uh, Lindale White told an amazing story uh, earlier this year that he got a, an apartment in LA, Lindale White was his, they were thunder and lightning. I yeah, think. yeah. Lindale um, was the n number two guy. To yeah, the number two, like halfback, baller. Right. He said he got a, someone gave, they gave him a penthouse apartment in LA and he goes to it the first day and he walks in, there's no furniture in there anywhere. There's a duffel bag in the living room and I think he said it was $300,000 in cash. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, this has been happening forever. Yeah. Now we're just able to do it. So I actually love I love the ingenuity yeah. of collectives. Like, yeah. I think this is American capital. I think it's 
just ridiculous that the NCAA kind of is forcing people into this. But I love that how quickly, you know, you just see like, and entrepreneurship has been so great for me. Like, dude, I am not the most talented person at anything, but I'm a mother loving hustler. Yeah. I'm going to freaking figure it out, you know? Yeah. And in a corporation, it's really hard to do that because like, no, 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 this is your job. Yeah. Someone else does that thing. And I'm like, no, 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 but I can get that thing done better. Like now better, <laughs> yeah. quicker, but I have to wait. I have to send an email. I have to set up a meeting like whatever. Like, so, um, corporation taught me a lot of things. Um, but then also I've really enjoyed this season that I've been in. That's like, I'm going to freaking figure it out. Mm -hmm. I say that to say I was on the collective again. Thank you for going on this rabbit trail with my ADHD. Yeah, let's keep uh, going. Yeah. Uh, deeper so, and deeper we go. Okay. Um, <laughs> the collective, I love that they're so smart and they can play within the rules and do it. And so, but it's an, it's a uh, imperfect system. Yeah. So you are not able to pay an athlete to play. Mm. It's one of the two rules right now is you can't pay for an inducement. So you can't pay a player to come to your school as an inducement to come to your school. Which is hilarious. It's the only reason people pay them. <laughs> uh, and two, sorry, no, the only other reason they pay them is to play on their football team yeah. or their basketball team. So the second is you cannot pay for play. So NIL is your name, image, and likeness. It's not actually what you're really good at, which is your performance yeah. and your skill. So the NCAA still to retain amateurism, they, you're, they're not, you're not allowed to be paid for play. And so what happens is these collectives can pay them for endorsement opportunities. They're buying your rights to market you. Right. And so they're creating this, let's call it, it's just a shell company. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they then are paying you, but you have to do something to earn that money. So then you, they ask these athletes to then go promote this like shell company. It, ice cream show, ice cream socials, autograph signings, yeah. social yeah. media posts. And 20, so, 20 grand to go show up at an ice cream store. Absolutely. Yeah. Literally. Even more. In a duffel um, bag. Even more. Yeah. Uh, make the worst content possible ice cream on your iPhone, like read from a script. And here's a $25,000 check yeah. for the month. Um, and so we're in this imperfect system. So everybody was like, oh, in the bull game, they should have played. They're being paid to play. No, no, no. They're not they being paid be to play. Yeah. They were paid for their likeness. Yeah. And so they're not required to play contractually. And that's this like gray space that all these you know, boomers are in my comments. So uh, they, they were paid. They need to show up and do their job. No, no, no they weren't yeah. because they're operating under the rules that have been set forth for them. All of those players want to be paid for their play. Yeah. I guarantee you. Yeah. And they want a contract. Uh, and the NCAA is probably about to lose in court and they are going to be labeled as employees here in the next five years. I was going to say, so I know you're not a fan of bold predictions or speaking in absolutes. Oh yeah, no, but, but let's go. What, what would you, what would you say is the NCAA, like when is the NCAA's death coming? Within two to five years. Two to uh, five years. That is a lot sooner than I think a lot of people think. Bro, they just, they have seven major losses. So they lost on amateurism. Yeah. Um, they lost on the video game, the Ed O'Bannon, yeah, yeah, right? So yeah, the yeah. new one, is, there's going to be an ad that rolls tomorrow night for the newest college football playoff game or oh, college football game. Dick. So, I was dying for NCAA. You are, you are about to get the smoke, yeah. by the way. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm, not I'm going to work. The last <laughs> one I have is with the, the Michigan quarterback. Who is uh, Denard, Denard Robinson? 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 Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, that was the last was one there. I have. But Denard didn't get paid for that, you know? know. So like, no. uh, it was just Absurd. ridiculous. <laughs> um, and so... Uh, what's going to happen? So right now they're liable for $4 billion in damages for, uh, for restricting the rights to players and not allowing them to get a piece of the television contract mm. and all of these big sponsorships. Mm -hmm. 
and a judge ruled in favor. I'm going to speak simply, but it's much more complex, but basically said they're, they're liable for that. Uh, and it's a class action lawsuit. And so the best case scenario is they uh, plea on it and come to a settlement, which right now the best legal experts predict is around one and a half billion dollars, which wow. would like yeah. tank them. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, and that's a year's. So I, I did a little deep dive in the NCA a while back mm -hmm. and I looked into like, how do they make money? You know, like mm -hmm. this scam institution. And basketball tournament. It's all, all from the, the NCAA men's basketball tournament. They make tournament. a billion a year. And they make wow. nothing yeah. from any of the other championships. They lose, unfortunately, lose on the yeah. women's, like they lose money on that. And they don't make any money from football, yeah. which is the craziest thing of all. Like imagine that trivia question. Do you think the NCAA makes any money on major football conferences? Right. Zero. And they make it all from the NCAA basketball tournament. They make a billion a year. Because they own it. Uh, and they own that. They that. sell those media rights. Yeah. And then they make some sort of percentage on football through television deal or some. Anyway, the football ones, they've, they've farmed it out to the CFP now. Right. And so they actually like there's this weird stuff right now where Harbaugh, Harbaugh is under investigation with the NCAA. But they, so like they could vacate theoretically his like NCAA wins, but not his CFP championship. Mm. Which is <laughs> wild. wild. Um, Dude, we are the, what you said earlier, the but not yet. Oh. Like we could not be in more of a <laughs> yeah. but not yet oh, kind dude. of era. Uh, it is this year is just the absolute fracturing of the whole thing. Yeah, um, and so there's billions of dollars. Like people do not understand when I'm talking about college athletics. There is b billions yeah. of dollars for one university. Yes, yeah. I mean for yeah. for, for Florida State. Yes, elite. for a, over a long period of time. But like, it's just there's so much money. Yeah, and the fact that the players are getting nothing out of that pie is ridiculous. And so right now, NIL, it was like this great thing that we celebrated where now, oh, but it's really punting to an outside third party to yeah. try to fill the gap of the value that they're creating. All of their value is created on the field to the university yeah. and to the conference and to the television networks. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not getting anything from any of them right now. They're getting it from... Tostitos or right. yeah, yeah. Dr. Pepper. Yeah, it does seem like the flow of dollars is kind of dumb, right? <laughs> like it's coming from these wealthy boosters instead of coming from the major networks, right? Absolutely. Like the major yeah. networks are the ones that are really licensing out this performance from the athletes. Totally. And just getting that by dealing with the school and yep. the conference and like... They have all the power. Yeah, once you start really talking about like what's going on it does kind of it gets a little nefarious i would say it's very nefarious it's it's why i spent you know i just go back and i look kind of at the the breadcrumbs in my career that laid the foundation for this and so i became a football marketing specialist the year that johnny manziel came out of uh a &M. So i was the texas football marketing specialist and he was at A&M lighting Man. the world on fire. Yeah. Being, I mean, being at Nike while he was at A&M must have been oh, kind of... It was tough. Yeah, yeah totally. Sucks. <laughs> but we got him Johnny when Football he came was out. Adidas, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Football... Uh, A&M was an Adidas school. Yeah. And... Uh, but when he came out, we signed him at Nike. And it was the very beginning. Mav Carter just started a marketing agency and he was his first client. Yep. Uninterrupted is what they started eventually. Yeah, they in started LeBron, But their first... It was like MGMT... <laughs> Uh, I believe is what they were called was like their athlete marketing agency and they signed Johnny as their first athlete. And so like LeBron from Ohio, then he went to Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Like it was this crazy like story. And so 
one of my first photo shoots was going to shoot Johnny Manziel and, and go shoot his pro day, actually. So the same photographer, Matt Hawthorne, shout out my guy who did the coin flip photo. I got him to go down to Johnny Manziel's pro day to shoot the stuff for this. And you want to talk about breaking the internet before that yeah. CFP, we <laughs> broke the internet on Johnny Manziel's pro day. It was yeah. like early, early Twitter marketing days. Yeah. We had like, we did him. We had the jersey available for pre-order. We had the camo shorts that he was in and like it lit the world on fire. Like most pro days guys show up and they're like, you know, shorts and tees. And like he had this, like the camo, and, the camo shorts, the black and white blank jersey that was a Nike jersey, not an A&M Adidas jersey. So yeah. it was like, it was so crazy. Um, such a fun time, like super gorilla. That's my favorite, like kind of Mark gorilla. We were like, so Matt, you know, the brief to him and he's so great. It was like, okay, we have to avoid Adidas logos in the background and really A&M because we're not, we don't, yeah. we're not paying A&M for their property. So like we can't show A&M we can't show Adidas logo. So like we need tight shots on Johnny. In the Was there 90s. any restriction around the maroon color or anything like that? Or could no, you have that kind of Yeah, so the legal team, it gets really squirrely. So like you see this in NIL right now, right? So I did a, a video on um, the most fascinating sports marketing team in college for me is the LSU women's basketball team. Yeah, huh. They're a Nike sponsored program and they have three women who are all with other brands. Uh, Flage. Shout out Flage and Mama Kia. Um, they're great. Her mom is her momager, uh, her manager. Momager, and um, that's great. Nice. <laughs> I met them before they were negotiating their contract. And I looked at her. A buddy of mine told me like, oh, Flage, she's this like point guard. She also raps and stuff. I was like, okay, yeah, cool. He's going to do this performance at the NIL Summit. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, and she got on stage and she came on. She's wearing this like floral denim, like full suit. She rapped like through this crazy rap. She comes out and you know, just, there's just some people who have it. Yeah. Yeah. They just like, they walk in a room and you're like, it, they just have it. And it's hard to explain, but they just have it. And she walked off this. It, and I was like, I looked, I was like, are you mom? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, uh, you have a unicorn on your hands. She's a young black woman. She is super talented. She's a five-star, you know, point guard plus uh, rapper plus just, just creative and dynamic and really smart. And I was like, which of the brands are coming after you? And she, I'm like, are all of them yet? And she's like, yep. And I'm like, whatever they're offering you right now, tell them to go F themselves yeah. because it's not enough. 10X. And she's like, oh, tell me more. You know, yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah. There's that pendulum shift, right? Is finally the players actually have some leverage. Yes. Versus, For once. you know, before it's like, if you don't listen to us, then you can go kick rocks. Totally. Right. But now they actually have an ability to say, you know, if you don't give me this, someone else will. Totally. And and I'm sure that's going to be a recruiting tool in the future. If, if you're one of these athletes, how are you creating almost like a team around yourself to amplify who you are before you get drafted? Before, if you are in, in college football and you have three years that you can't go to the NFL and you can't really make just ample amount of money, what are you building to kind of amplify yourself and yeah. just make yourself bigger than you are and make a lot of money before then you transition to somewhere like the NFL where you can make less money? This is hard because it's 17 year olds. They have yeah. no idea about this stuff. Yeah, and but. most parents, like I spoke to a group of five star, like the top recruits in Texas, um, like a year ago, and a real light bulb came out. I was like, how many of you have heard of an NIL collective? Not a single person raised their hand. Wow. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So y'all don't understand, like that is the number one source of income that your kid is gonna have yeah. throughout his career. Yeah. Not, not Bijan Mustard. No, not Bijan Mustard is not going to be able to pay your kid anything <laughs> yeah. worth their value. Yeah. Uh, and so 
there's a lot of education that needs to happen with them. Um, they just, they don't know what they don't know. Mm. And I mean, you take, take, this is why I'm so sympathetic. I mean, you take like, I don't know, the kid from DeSoto, maybe he's got both parents, maybe he doesn't. His parents are probably working, yeah. uh, working a lot. They don't know anything about marketing agents. They don't, I, I mean, so much of the reason I do the content that I do, I had no freaking clue about all this stuff. I don't yeah. know what a brand asset is. I remember just sitting in conference meetings, just going like, assets, assets, assets. what are they talking about? Yeah. Like, yeah. what does that mean? Right. And my buddy, like Roby and I joke, because neither of us had marketing backgrounds and we ended up at Nike together. He's still there, but like, they are pictures and videos, people. Assets <laughs> are pictures. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They are videos. Like, we can't speak in freaking normal languages, you know? It's like, uh, so... If, if, if I were talking to them, I would say, hey, you probably need to get an, a market. So they're not allowed to have a contract agent. Mm. Again, already, but not yet. A marketing agent is who's negotiating these collective deals because it's an endorsement contract. Well, first of all, most of them are in, uh, negotiating these deals without representation. Yeah. So collective shows up to a, kid or a family who's never seen money and they say $100,000. It's more money than they've made in two, three years, maybe four, five, their whole life. They're going, where do I sign? Yeah. yeah. But they're not looking at what are all the requirements that are on that. Some of these collect early days. I think they're getting sorted out, but they were, they were buying their likeness for into perpetuity. Yeah. And so like you're signing away a lot. And so you need there's a really fine line and, and it's not a perfect science, but like you need someone who you can trust, who is understands these things and how they work. You need a, you need an agent. That would be the first thing that I would get to be negotiating like a collective deal because yeah. that's where their money is going to be. And then it's like, yeah, I would invest. Uh, so many athletes don't understand. They need to invest in a content creator. If nothing else, they need to be, yeah. they need to be best friends yeah. with, with the videographers and photographers on that, yeah. Team. Would you hire your own? I would, but asking them to understand that is so hard. They and it's would such it. an investment. It's such, you know, I don't know. It, but, but think about, think of all the kids. First of all, there's so many who will do it for free. They just yeah. want to be close to yeah. this top recruit. And I would say that's actually a deal that probably is worth it for both. Yeah. As a creator, uh, look, if you can get paid, get paid for your talent. But I think Gen Z has been sold a freaking bill of goods and this whole like, Creator economy. Creator stuff. empowment. Creator, yeah. you're like, oh, don't work for free and free internships. And are there corporations who are squeezing you? Are there people who are squeezing you? Yes. Yeah. But free work also pays. Yeah. yeah. And you need a portfolio. You need a portfolio. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, also at jordanrogers.xyz, I have a portfolio template and a PDF guide <laughs> to go through that. But um, that's really valuable that a lot of people don't understand. Yeah. Like a yeah. resume is no longer good enough. Uh, right. You need a resume plus a portfolio that shows pictures. Show me you've done it before. Show me the yeah. work that you've And if done. you do yeah. free work and you do it with an athlete that then goes big time, being able to piggyback off of that gets you in any door. I think it was like the the videographer now that got... Um, for Tyreek Hill? Yeah, for Tyreek Hill, Hill that yeah. he got in trouble. Like he yeah. first, I think, did free work for Tyreek oh, Hill, yeah. became his guy, then got a job shooting yeah. NFL games got banned and now. NFL but, banned him and now he's at the NBA, right? Yeah. There, yeah. There's something else. I don't, yeah. I don't know what the other part is. The no fun league. Yeah. yeah. Classic. And so, yeah, if I were an athlete, they need to invest in content. And I'm going through right now, I'm talking with some, you know, we're working on some like high school kids who are committing. One of the biggest mistakes high school kids make in their commitments is they farm out their commitment to rivals, 24-7 yeah. sports, ESPN, on three. And 
there is no moment. So like top high school recruits, your families, y'all need to listen to me right now. Uh, you're going to have like two or three moments in your football career or basketball career where all eyes are on you. And the first one is your commitment to a big time program and university. So the second principle that they need to understand is that all of your NIL value and endorsement opportunities are related to your social media following. So a athlete of lower caliber with a bigger following is going to probably get equal to or greater than deals to an athlete who's better on the field, but has a lower social following. Yeah. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you have a moment to capitalize and build your social following, especially with that announcement and recruitment. So treat that recruitment, own that announcement. We live in the era where you do not need rivals. Yeah. You do not need ESPN to give your commitment. Yeah. And they all want it for clout and I'm fine with collaborating, but you have to figure out a way to own that yeah. where you are cited as the uh, story. So when rivals and 24-7 and on three say, today, so-and-so announced his commitment to Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Florida, whatever it is, they cite and link to your Instagram. Yeah. He announced today on his Instagram channel where he's going. Uh, because otherwise they go, according to reports on rivals.com, yep. he's made this. And they're going to rip your content and make it on their own. It drives me crazy about the industry. But to the degree that you have the ability, own that announcement in your social to drive up your following. Because guess what? Three days after you commit, you're now the backup quarterback yep. at... Georgia, Alabama, Florida, and no one cares about you. And you're going to transfer. Yeah. And then you're, you're going <laughs> to yeah. transfer in two to three years anyway. Yeah. So like, um, your opportunity to own that moment is right then. And you need to own it through your own social, not through other media entities. They all have to figure out the way to own their story. That's the yeah. beauty of today's era. So the challenge and the tragedy of today's era is that there's a camera always on you. But the beauty of it is that you no longer need ESPN or journalists or reporters to own your story. And LeBron is the greatest example of this, you know, founding uninterrupted and all that. LeBron is the goat and the, yeah. the new era of athlete. He's done it perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. I have to remind myself of this regularly as well. All of us do. You guys are probably, you're investing a lot in this. And I'm sure you probably aren't seeing a, you know, for every dollar you've put into these five cameras and videographers and microphones. You're probably not getting that on this podcast yet, yeah. but it's a long-term investment that you know. And so like the same would be for these athletes and creators is like, okay, is that videographer going to cost you 250 bucks, a thousand bucks, 2,500 bucks maybe. But like, what do you stand to gain? There's going to be a hundred thousand people looking at yeah. this announcement, a million yeah. people, right? Let's not skimp on the moments that matter. So that, that, that's my counsel to them. Jordan, this has been phenomenal. I want to ask one more tactical question before we, we disperse here. How do you get a job at Nike? <laughs> well, you can go to how to get a job at Nike.com. I know, I know you have Thank a you. whole... Thank you for that. <laughs> <setup. laughs> there you um, go. <laughs> Lay up, baby. Alley -oop. Totally. Look, I bought the domain name how to get a job at Nike.com because it's the number one question I get asked. Yeah. Second now is why did you leave Nike? <laughs> but... <laughs> um, We'll get you know, into that on part two. Yeah, we can yeah. do that. I mean, I, I'm happy to talk about that. But I, how to get a job at Nike or any like big company like that is, there's a few things, you know, for me, it's uh, get a foundation in retail, 
So you need to understand retail. That's the foundation of these businesses for any of these big companies or athleisure or whatever. So get a year of retail and that's all you need. Um, get out of retail as quick as you can, because, uh, if you really want to get into like marketing and sorry, this is all for marketing creative. That's the people to listen. Yeah. If you want accounting or legal, (laughs) totally disregard my advice. Get on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like get into retail, know it, understand it, and then get out because a lot of people die in retail. They sit there. I remember I felt like a caged lion in a retail store. I'm like pacing around, waiting on people to come to me. That's how I knew I was like in marketing. I want to go get people. Yeah. I don't want to sit mm. and wait for people to come to me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so get that one year. I did two and I regret doing two. I should have left after one because really what people are looking at is your resume they're just, they're scanning man usually yeah. i mean the statistics on resumes are like people spend 2.8 seconds or something looking at a resume yeah you're looking for a swoosh a three stripe a something like you're looking for brands so like yeah. those are sexy um but you're also just looking for okay retail cool they understand that okay uh mark events okay they did a mark events cool okay and then you're like all right they have like three out of the five things i'm looking for okay i'm gonna set it over here um and so all you're looking for is that you have that one thing. So get one year, get out. Second then is um, become a brand ambassador or like, so big companies like Nike are hiring out agencies to do work. And this is, again, this is, this is why I share all this stuff because I didn't know anything about this. You know, I just thought you go work at the Nike retail store and then you just try to network and you try to you get in the ground floor and then work your way up. And the new way is like, you can get some foundation on the ground floor, but then go get a bunch of experience. And I felt like I was in this time. I actually felt like the, the changing of the guard at the time. I actually just happened to have this, this graph up right now um, that's from my workshop. But, you know, I have this like old way. But the old way is like get in on the ground floor, get one type of experience and just wait to go up. Mm-hmm. And the new way is to get a bunch of experiences to make you become like it's not a linear line anymore. Yeah. It's a triangle. You're building a solid foundation yeah. of retail, events, creative, social media. And then yeah. you're like sharpening those skills so that you can become this like peak point. And so, um, that's a slide from my workshop, which I used to kind of the point is like, we need to vary up your experience. Yeah. yeah. So retail events, get some social. Uh, I do think one of the mistakes a lot of people make is they go too far down the photographer, videographer rabbit hole. Like I was pretty wary of that. Like I got really into it and I really enjoyed it, but people, people view photographers and videographers as a like mold. a singular skill. Yeah. If you want to be a marketer, understand those things like be able to flex them but like don't brand yourself as a photographer uh i had to make that transition yeah i was yeah i started like that agree and then people to this day that i knew from back then are like you still doing photography and videography i was like i was never doing photography and videography but i labeled myself at that like that at the beginning versus i'm a social media marketer at the time or a content marketer etc there's a real tough balance between like yo my philosophy was like, get in where you fit in. So like find and deliver value. So many people like be useful. Yeah. Uh, so many people are kind of going, Hey, what can I get from this experience? I started to shift. I started to see, you know, spent about four and a half years chasing the job after a year or after a couple of years, I started to go, how can I help? Right. 
like four best words that I've yeah. learned in my yeah. language. Yeah. And so it was like, hey, I want to learn about the job and what you're doing and whatever, but like, how can I help you? Is it that I have access to people? Am I in the market? Do I have photography, videography skills? What can I do to like help you and carry boxes for you, whatever? Yeah. And so um, deliver value through photography and videography, but then like otherwise like flex your skills. Um, and then you have to like, you have to level the F up. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, right. this is not a black and white word doc resume anymore. Y'all yeah. like if you want to compete at the highest levels of these cool companies like Nike, you know, Apple, Google, Meta, yo, uh, welcome to the, welcome to the big leagues. Yeah. You are competing against the most talented, dynamic, incredible people in the world. Right. And that started for me is like really intimidating. And if I'm honest, there were times where I was like, I have no chance. Yeah. I'm not, I can't do this. Um, I don't have those skills. But then, you know, looking at those competitors, I'm a mother freaking competitor, dog. Yeah. Like you're not going to beat me over the long term. And so like I viewed it as a competition and I was just like gonna, I was going to get it done. And so it's just trying to, you know, pay attention to those skills. The last thing I would just say is like, make something, yeah. do something and put it into the world. Yeah. Uh, the guy who got the job for, uh, ahead of me on one of them, like he had started a travel blog. Um, so he got the Eakin job that I wanted in my hometown. He was nowhere from near Dallas. Yeah. And, but he was a college athlete, played soccer, super dynamic guy, awesome yeah. guy. Shout out Brian. And um, he had started a travel blog while as a brand ambassador traveling around the country for Nike doing these things. And I was like, dang, yeah, that's like, there's a record of like the cool things you're doing. So yeah. it shows that you know how to connect with an audience, you know how to be creative, you know how to problem solve. So many people don't understand that, like, show me the thing that you're doing. I don't care what it is. Like, so many people would send me a resume and say that their skills are social media and I'll go look at their social media and it sucks. Where's your yeah. yeah. Where's your, where's your content? Yeah, it's sure. so fundamental to me. And maybe I was just so biased because I had built a following, yeah. but like, I'm not saying that you can't work in social media if you don't have a personal following. That's yeah. not what I'm saying at all. I do think you can understand the skills, know best practices. Not everybody wants to be a creator, but like, you probably should show some fundamentals. The, the top yeah. 1% of people that someone like Nike's looking for have done something on social. Yeah. Show me that you've done something or show me examples of the work you're doing yeah, for right. someone else. So um, those are a few of the tips. I have a full page of all free stuff, all my podcast appearances where I've talked about it. Uh, I have a PDF downloadable. That's my whole story. It's for free. It's at how to get a job at Nike.com. And then I have like a workshop that you can pay 97 bucks for. If you're on really hard times, email me. I'll give you a you know break. But you should probably be able to invest $97 in a career that will change your life. Yeah. Whether you get a job at Nike or not, this is skills and, um, you know, traits that will carry you. Yeah. I, and I'm living, breathing proof of that. I'm 20 years later here talking to y'all because of this stuff. Yeah. Well, and this has been, this has been incredible. That was this fun. Was, I yeah, appreciate y'all. Yeah. Keep up had. the good work, man. I'm super inspired by this. I love this. Like, Thank I don't, you. I, uh, this is, you're doing it right. Thank so, you. Appreciate um, it, man. Thanks for sharing this knowledge with people because that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Awesome. We'll, we'll have to have you back. We'll Absolutely. have to do, make it like we've been making a reoccurring thing with, with Orin. Do the same. Anytime you're in Austin, we yeah, got to, I need to give a shout out to Orin and Colin. Yeah. Um, a year I, I started TikTok. My first TikTok video that went viral was like one year ago, a week or two ago. And I started listening to the Builders Build podcast when I was oh, just starting as an entrepreneur. And 
they were just, they kept beating about how TikTok was just cheat code and short form video yeah. that not enough people were paying attention to. And I was like, dang it. All right, fine. I'm going to freaking buckle down and yeah. do it. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be the talking head. Uh, I just, that wasn't my training. And, um, but I just fought through it. And my life is like crazy change because Amazing. of it. Like yeah. with the following on TikTok, my Instagram's going crazy right now. Like it's all starting to pick up, but you have to like put in the work yeah. and do it. So, uh, um, well, tell the, tell the people where to find you on social, everything right, like at that. Jordan Rogers, J O R D A N R O G E R S on Instagram, uh, Jordan Rogers 2626 on TikTok. But you can go to my site, jordanrogers.xyz, and it's got links to all my stuff there. Awesome. awesome. Jordan, appreciate it, bro. Appreciate Thanks, it, man. Thank you. All right.